Welcome to impactboom.org. We search the globe to find the people, stories, ideas, and inspiration to help you create maximum positive impact. Each week, Impact Boom brings you thought-provoking interviews with world-leading practitioners passionate about creating positive social change. These designers, social entrepreneurs, educators, innovators, thinkers, and doers share their projects, initiatives, thoughts, and insights on creating a better world. You can find all the stories, links, and other great content at impactboom.org. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter for the latest updates, or subscribe to the newsletter or on iTunes. Hello, listeners. You're with me, Natana Mayer, and this is episode 114 of Impact Boom. If you are looking for a really great podcast to ignite the fire in you and to lift you up and inspire you, this is the one. You've come to the right place. I got to sit down with Caleb Rickson, and he is an incredible human. At the age of 23, he survived a stroke, a stroke that no one saw coming. And not only did he have to relearn absolutely everything from how to swallow through to how to even talk, he found the experience incredibly isolating and turned his whole situation around in order to create the network that he didn't have access to, which he now calls the Genius Network. And it's a story sharing platform where other young stroke survivors can get together, share their stories, express themselves and and feel, feel more human, connect with a global community of people who just get it. Now, with this interview with Caleb, I need to make a few comments about it first. Firstly, I upgraded my gear, which is very exciting. However, um, it wasn't set up quite correctly, so it's going to sound like as if you're in the room with Caleb and I, with me on one side and Caleb on the other side. So if that's not quite your thing, feel free to chuck us on loudspeaker. You won't even notice the difference. The other point I want to make is that Caleb really speaks to the humanity in all of us. And I'm so excited for you to hear how he's using the power of storytelling to completely flip the switch and to change the narrative and take control of something so devastating, something that usually takes all your control away from you. So I really hope you enjoy this podcast and Get in touch if you have any thoughts or if you want to yell at me for incorrectly setting up my gear. But I promise, promise, promise that this episode is gold. Um, so, Cal, for our listeners who don't know you, yes. please tell us a bit about your backstory. Who are you? How did you, how did you start? Oh, gosh, okay. Um, how did I start? I guess so, yeah, my name's Kayla Brixen. And I get Cal for short, and I uh, I live in Melbourne, and I'm originally from Geelong, just outside of Melbourne, and I yeah I grew up I'm 34 now, and I grew up as a star, hoping to be a star kind of dude. I was a an aspiring actor, did a lot of musical theatre. That sort of was my go-to so singing acting and dancing was my thing triple threat oh my god I was so threatening like you just had to watch out no I was I trained very hard in those things but I eventually did a lot of uh theater and a lot of musicals like I've, I've in my time I guess did 
I can't remember. I know I stopped. I stopped counting over forty, but I did a lot of musical theatre and then eventually uh, graduated from the Western Australian Academy of Performing Arts. Whopper. Whopper. Um, yeah, had a bite of that burger, and then not too long after that, I was very fortunate to be cast in the Australian production of Chicago. Which is a huge deal. Which was, yeah, yeah. I was totally like freaking out. Um, and it was very hard. It was a very competitive, um, in, uh, no, the, not like, not like fiercely competitive in the sense that people were nasty or anything, but just a really high caliber of people. And the, the, the looks as in literally like how attractive some of these dudes were. To be in this show, I was like, oh, my God. Like, I'm not in So Thinking and Dance. I don't model for Calvin Klein. What the hell am I? I'm an <laughs> imposter. But anyway, the point uh, is I, I got a, a part in the national tour with Carolina Connor and Gina Riley and Sharon Millerchip and um, some of those guys, which was so, so awesome. So I kind of begun, I felt like, the next phase of my professional career uh and three days after i turned 24 i was at the gym and i was shredding <laughs> not really shredding more so, so you dr- could keep up with yeah, all the supermodels totally because i was like oh my god <laughs> what am i gonna do i was working out very hard or just you know literally doing one of those pump classes uh in the middle of a sydney gym when an aneurysm went off and i did not know i just felt a massive explosion in my head um, and over the next mm, 25 minutes, I very much stayed very conscious as my ability to um, walk, to stand, to swallow my saliva or the water that I was trying to have um, and to speak and then my ability to stay conscious uh, all depleted. Um, I basically had a ticking time bomb that was going off and it just needed a trigger. Um, I eventually was suddenly, you know, went from thinking that I was there to get fit, but I was actually there to figure out how to save my life. And so once I uh, was put into an ambulance and rushed off to the hospital, um, I then... Yeah, it kind of basically what was happening was I was having a major, major stroke and obviously being at the age of 24 did not, that didn't cross my mind at all. You probably didn't even know what a, a I stroke didn't know what was a stroke or was an aneurysm. No. Oh my God. I'm no. sure our listeners also probably need some oh, yes, clarification. Yeah. Of, what, of what exactly that is? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So basically a stroke is like a brain attack, really. It's an umbrella term for um, an event that uh, I guess in summary is a massive event where a part of your brain will have died um, due to a blockage or a disruption of some sort. And in my case, um, I had a stroke that was um, in terms of the percentage of people that most commonly have strokes. It is usually your 65-year-old and up age bracket. That's the thing. That's the thing that we know about. Um, But what is actually what, yeah, what happened to me was I had a condition, a congenital brain abnormality, 
which um, basically means that I had something that I was probably born with, but it wasn't passed down to me. It was just something that was like basically a, a needle in a haystack, a freak thing that happened. So, um, yeah, from that point, I the story kind of goes from sort of my POV, my point of view, to more so my family because I fell unconscious and then was uh, induced into... I was in a coma. I was induced. Um, they had to monitor me in the high, the highest sort of care of ICU um, at the Royal Prince Alfred Hospital in Sydney. And I had to... I w- underwent a heap of tests, A, to locate what had happened once they figured that out because they were trialling a type of brain scan. So they got... They found out what it was. Then they did an operation to um, try and, like, basically like dislocate that thing from the blood flow, like stop, basically sort of stop anything going into it. So the the highway would have to kind of go around it. And that was unsuccessful. Yeah. So it was a big, um, it was a very big medical emergency that was happening. And, and really that emergency lasted for the next, uh, five and a half weeks because I was in ICU for five and a half weeks and oh gosh it was like my poor family had to just hope and and hand me over but wait as I went through because I got pneumonia and I got septicemia and I got one thing after the meningitis other meningitis and oh, golden wow. staff and like I know how psycho is that like I got all this stuff that was hospital born because my system was so down um, and I had to have a massive craniotomy. So, like, the back of my head's all, like, I've got a really cool scar. Um, and, yeah, so I've got, like, I've got I've got holes all over me. Um, and it's taken me many years to love those scars and realise that they're the coolest thing to have some battle scars. Um, we we'll make you super badass. It's, yeah, I'm super badass. It's, that's been a very big process to get to that. You know, yeah. yeah, so... Tell us a bit about genius and where that came from and how you got there. Yeah, well, I guess, so in that time when I was back there in the earlier days, I, you know, I I couldn't make sound and I felt my biggest fear was that I would never talk or sing again. Really, it was that I would never sing because that feeling of singing for any of y'all out there that are that are singers it's there's nothing like it and even on a vibrational level there's nothing like that feeling because it's so expressive in such a unique way so for me my identity was really invested in and very associated to my ability to sing and suddenly that was cut off um it was your life it was my life performance was your life yeah so i was like well what am i now i'm just like this weird flesh bag that can't do much it can't swallow it can't walk it can't see but it's um it's been an amazing journey of i guess the physical coming out the other side my way has always been to not like just palm it off and laugh but to for me coping is necessary and it's something that we're all 
hardwired to do in some way. And for me, laughter and humour brings out like my humanity or something. So I've just always, un- I've just always ref- deferred to some sort of sense of humour to make things normal. That's amazing. Can I just like make a a little side note here? Yeah. When you're talking about using humour to not make light of it, but to it, like it's it, it's like a coping mechanism. Yeah, like make it palatable. Okay, yeah, yeah. from other conversations we've had, that's actually something I've picked up on. Okay. You no no, it's it's a great thing. Okay, like it's right. A, it's a really it's very skillfully done. Okay. And I think it's so good. You use humor as a way when discussing a serious topic. Yeah. You use that as a way to go up for gulp for, gulp there. And then go back down to the deep conversation. Yeah. And okay. what it does is that it doesn't. You still go back down like deep as deep yeah, yeah, yeah. as you were before. Yeah. But with that gulp of air and with that little bit of lightness, you get to bring this like warmth to the conversation, oh, as opposed to letting it sink further and further down and getting to those darker, murkier waters where yeah. it feels like you're sinking in despair. The gulp for air is to allow someone else to feel like it's okay in the conversation to enter. And uh, I mean, it's, it's actually, I've only discovered this because that someone else so has said it. So interesting. To me. So it's a way of giving people permission on end. It's an in point. Like an invite. Totally, because I just don't think that we have to, through my own sense of feeling so disempowered as a, as a, initially as a stroke victim and realizing that I had the option to become a stroke survivor and see myself like that and see, um, I guess my paradigm shifted and uh, very slowly, but it really has been so significant to like rebuilding this human that's hanging out with you right now exactly because you had to start again yeah i feel like i i i think it's so important that we share stories to help one another but the one thing that we miss is hope when we're recovering from a brain injury it's so easy to have your hope taken away by a limitation and what I believe we need to foster and nurture in, in culture is, is that stories, people's stories of survival are like, they have insurmountable possibilities. It's so true. And it's so, it's so hard when you find yourself in this new reality. Totally. And you're trying to work out, well, what are the parameters of mm. this new reality? I yeah. don't know where my limits are and you're scared to push yourself too much because you don't know what's going to happen you don't want to regress or cause any more problems totally there's pre-stroke cal and there's post cal and that journey is a very very scary isolating intimidating journey get out of the shit that we're feeling like we're the only one dealing with but it's like when you're not you don't have to have a stroke to figure out what isolation feels like you don't have to have a stroke to feel like wanting to be heard feels like we all experience those things of wanting to belong wanting to express wanting to feel valid 
and I wanted to belong with people. I wanted to, to find people that wasn't possible um, or easily done. Everything that I could find was um, driven by non-survivors and it didn't, It sort of, I felt like it was sort of, like it, I went to some, some groups or things like that. It was, it would often become kind of clinical or it was hard to connect on a more personal level other than really just a stroke level. Got it. Got if it. So you're sense. connecting, yeah, because you're connecting over the a, event rather the experience. Yeah, and, and you wanted to connect over the shared experience. Totally, it was sort of like feeling like an aggregated group of symptoms, you know, as opposed to like a posse of peeps. Yeah, um, I really like alliteration, by the way. Anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's it. Felt like being reduced to that was your se- new sense of identity. And I didn't like that. And I then kept on my path of wanting to be a storyteller, um, actor, director. I always had aspirations to be a director. I just thought it would happen after I had much more life experience as in age, not realising that I was having some life experience that would be worth uh, or uh, of significant value at my age. But I then went and did, um, after a couple of, about two and a half years, I did rehab. And I then went and did my master's in filmmaking. Part of my journey then was to bring together people who've been touched by trauma like me and give them those tools to express their stories and share and most importantly connect and therefore wanting to connect with my peeps my gen y peeps i i birthed the gen y united survivor network which is genius network and put really i i just started to bring people together through video videos that i made with community members that i reached out to and slowly, very organically through Facebook, we have grown our community um, to figure out how to how to share stories. Sometimes it's sometimes it's medical tips, um, and sometimes it's just stories about what you're up to. What's you know, people share poetry, people share oh my gosh, like recipes. Talk about dating, talk about identity, talk about all sorts of things. We have live meetups. We have roundtable discussions. Um, ultimately, the the genesis of Genius is creating a safe place for people who have been touched by trauma to express themselves, share their stories, and connect. Like, it is just... Stroke affects so many of us, and Genius is a safe place to come to be with your peeps to in some cases learn how to share your story in a way that it can inspire others it can um inspire it can inspire it inspires connection authentic connection and that's the thing and i feel that us as humans we the way we comprehend the world around us Mm -hmm. and the way that we also think of ourselves 
it's all stories like our totally. history is, is just a bunch of stories oh that we tell ourselves that's our childhood yeah. and our future is stories that we tell ourselves about mm. our future self yeah and then our present self is a whole bunch of more stories totally everything's just stories yeah you know and i feel like you're in you're using that to empower a whole bunch of people who like you said otherwise would have been completely isolated yeah the fact that you're getting people from whoop whoops <laughs> yeah dad, you know i know i was like oh we might get people from like bandura and then it's like <laughs> oh hi um egypt we've got someone from, we've got people from egypt like and honestly like because that's the thing language words it doesn't matter like what unites us is our sense of humanity and our wish to belong with community and that's why genius has you know it's why it started and it's why we're growing in our slow steady way um is that it is safe it is user generated it's user-led it's survivor-centric and it's proud of that and it's not it's it's not to um it's not to exclude it's it's only to include and help the conversations that can be really really hard and really really scary become palatable from the outside perspective mm. so where do you see this what's the what's the dream oh my gosh the dream is to really the dream is to have every single person who has been touched by stroke to be connected to the community straight away that's the straight up thing um we you know we 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 aren't even at the moment we're focusing on stroke because the the community is obviously um i'm a stroke survivor so being at the center it's so important that um it, our community has an identity and and a very candid one and so you know we we host live events we do all sorts of things we do lots of live interviews and and so much sort of connection and really it's about establishing our our social enterprise to basically help every person touched by trauma those that feel displaced and disconnected can come to a place called genius and come to a community of geniuses to share our one vision of learning to share your story and express it with others that get you to essentially belong and be empowered in your own life and take those skills into your own life and maybe even feed those skills back into the community. So it's a big self-perpetuating cycle of people coming in, learning skills, taking them out and then bringing them back so special and can i just tell you um i had this experience earlier in the week and it made me think of you and oh. i wanted to know what yeah. you thought of it yeah, yeah, yeah so i mean i know we briefly mentioned it before yeah but for our listeners yeah uh sarit um yes. from mango soul productions uh, the one from my first podcast, I can't remember what number it is. I think it's 96. She uh, made a video about 
my health challenges mm. and the art that I um, that I used as an avenue to help um, advocate for those kind of chronic illnesses. And the messages that I've been getting from people have been absolutely amazing and I just never expected that kind of response. Wow. But what's been really interesting is that lots of people have they've shared their stories with me but they've also said to me you're an inspiration like time and time again you're an inspiration and i don't know why but i feel really uncomfortable with that okay and i was thinking about that and i'm thinking if someone said to me you've inspired me versus you are an inspiration i i'm more comfortable with inspiring someone versus being an inspiration and it just made me think I, I still haven't quite... I mean, I probably need to unpack it further on myself yeah. as to why that makes me feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, like, part of me feels like it's putting me on this pedestal and other part of me thinks that it's, like, almost... Glor- they're glorifying yeah, it. Yeah, I feel like it's just glorifying it, you know? And I was wondering, I was thinking, do you get that? When you share your story, do you get that? And how do you feel about being called an inspiration? Um... I guess short answer is I find it the compliment in which I believe it's usually intended. So I feel like I am very grateful. Um, I always just hope that it's an, it's an active thing for them not to just go, Oh, that's inspiring and move on. Sort of like, I mean, you can't shut me up anyway. So like, hopefully I'm like (laughs) landing some (laughs) message um, cause I feel like why not? I've got my voice now. I've got to use it. So if I can impart some bit of, you know, something just honest that's come out of this and that's happening for me and that triggers something for someone else. And if they see that as inspiring, brilliant. Cause, and th- yeah, I'd prefer it to be inspiring mm. rather than to sit in because one means you're instigating change or a shift totally. in a state or, or a, an opinion or a way someone goes about something. Mm. So, yeah, I guess exactly what you're saying. Totally. One's more of a, an active switch. Okay. For our listeners, yeah. for the social entrepreneurs with all the different backgrounds, whether they're trying to tackle um, something to do with the environment or to yeah. do with people, disadvantage, health, anything Mm. what what like great words of wisdom or what hack or what's something that you can like give them to help them go about their mission or something even something someone told you that made you like made something click i think the pressure the pressure i just because i don't I think I don't know why but I'm I just feel like be willing to be seen be willing to put it out there and put yourself authentically on the line because the the Simon Sinek uh brilliance yes start with why yes was imparted to me very early on and my why is very clear but to communicate my why requires authenticity, showing up, 
I mean, we haven't practiced this, <laughs> if you can't tell. Um, and being present. And I mean, and so many of these things are just so, um, what is that? what's that thing when you, like the words that are just so like, be present. Ah, uh, fluffy. Um, Those, yeah, it's that, that vibe. Buzzwords. Buzzwords, yes. thank you. And for all the listeners that are just like, buzzwords, say buzzwords. We're saying We it. got there. Yeah, we got there. <laughs> I feel like it can be, I feel like those words there's a reason that they're buzzwords as well. Putting yourself out there and putting your why on the line, it's so scary to, you know, for me, I'm a very emotionally driven kind of person. I'm very emotionally focused, but I've learned that that is my, that's me. And there's nothing wrong or sad or embarrassing about that. That is amazing. That is like such a, a good way to just end such a wholesome, well-rounded sesh. I mean, with me, I can't even... When I realised how fancy pants this was, I freaked out. I was like, these people aren't going to want to hear from me. (laughs) They want to hear from success. But that's... uh, Yeah, see, like that's even my funny paradigm of success. Like, I can't profess that I know what anyone... You know, y'all that are listening, what, what you want to hear. It's about... I don't know. I feel like you've... You know, you've welcomed me to this and I'm very grateful for the opportunity to share my story with you. Well, yeah, and I would also love for you to tell our listeners how they can get in touch with you or find out more about Genius. Oh my gosh, yeah. So as I was saying, um, Genius Network, it's spelt a bit different. So Genius Network stands for Gen Y United Survivor Network. So it's uh, not exclusive for Gen Y people, but it is... is, uh, its roots are in, in I'm Gen Y, so that's why it started. But um, our group is found on uh, our website, www.genyusnetwork, Genius Network, www.geniusnetwork.com. And you can also find us on Facebook. That's a really awesome entry point, which is uh, Facebook. You can just type in Genius Network um, Trauma Survivor Support Team. Uh, into Facebook and hear some of our awesome stories. And also, if you want to support us and become part of our incredible supporters community who bring bring all of our stories to life, really, and help us actually grow our community because we ain't going to do it alone, come and join us on our Patreon page, www.patreon.com forward slash genius. And yeah, come and just be part of the community. Even just peek in. You don't even have to. You don't have to do anything. You can just watch. I always tell people, I'm like, I'm like, just watch. And then the amount of people that come in afterwards. You're gonna have a whole bunch of lurkers now. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, lurk away. Just look. You know, it's safe. That's the most important thing. The amount of people that come into Genius that do not want to do a survivor snapshot. We've got lots of programs of how we introduce ourselves and things like that, and that that are quite you know afraid don't don't want to don't want to say like i've had a stroke this is what i'm dealing with they don't want to do that and then you know you give it a bit of time and that person is back and they are posting and posting and posting because it's just like it's like popping a pimple but it's like an awesome one (laughs) very satisfying yeah it's so satisfying (laughs) and and once you pop you can't stop so (laughs) maybe a weird analogy to end on but oh it's amazing all right thank you so much thank you for having me Thanks for listening to Impact Boom. 
You'll find links to the initiatives, people and resources mentioned in this podcast on impactboom.org. Please leave your comments below and remember, we'll be publishing fresh inspiration and insights to help you create positive impact every week on the website, Facebook page and Twitter. 